Hi there. Before we get into random encounters this week, we wanted to tell you about another podcast that you should be listening to. Nick, what's it called? It's called Talk Tall to Me. Hey, Omen, what's it about? Okay, so each week, you and I sit down and discuss a song from the decades-spanning prog rock band Jethro Tull. That is insanely right. Each week <laughs> is the next song chronologically released from their first album in 1968 all the way to present. It's going to take us forever. So subscribe to Talk Tall to Me wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Feckless Moms Audio Network. FecklessMoms.com Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to Random Encounters. I am your host, Nick. I am Matt. And I'm Brandon. We are the Brothers McGill, and we are here to randomly pull a monster from a random monster manual and discuss it. As a friendly reminder, if you have any of the monster manuals and you would like to see us randomly discuss one of those monsters... Do us a favor and drop us a line at momes at fecklessmomes.com and put in just the monster manual and just the page number. And if you want to double check that you have the monster manuals that we're using, head on over to fecklessmomes.com and uh, navigate to the Random Encounters page and you will find a list of all of the manuals that we're using. So check that out and give us some suggestions and I will quiz Matt and Brandon on that critter, and we'll discuss it. For this week's Monster Manual, we are pulling the single-soul single, single soul Monster Manual for 5e. There has been Volo's Guide and... Oh, what's the other one? Oh, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. But those aren't just straight-up listing monsters monster manuals. This is just your straight-up 5e monster manual, your, one of your core three books. And we are going to page 130 this week. And let's start with a little flavor text. Oh. I have to adjust. I didn't realize 5e has the name of the monster in the flavor text. Pretty much pretty much the first word. Uh, okay. These are the celestial children of the gods of the upper plains. They are universally beautiful, statuesque, and self-assured. That's all you got. What do you, what do you think? Uh, let me describe it for you. They are huge. And they look like, basically like a Greek statue almost. It has kind of grayish, pale skin. It's wearing kind of just bracers, one shoulder, plate of armor, and a big old, big old wrestler belt and breech clout with knee-high boots. So, so think, think a giant statue in a Greek temple, essentially. 
That's all I got for you. Titans? Close. It's a name that I think is synonymous with Titan. Oh. Uh, I'm sure as soon as you say it, I'll... It'll hit me, but... It is an Empyrean. Oh. Tough, Brando. Oh. Yeah. Tough tacos. Empyrean. Okay. Empyrean, yeah. An Empyrean can experience deity-like fits of serenity or rage. It can affect the environment around it by its mood. When it's unhappy, the clouds might cry tears of salt water. The wildflowers in surrounding meadows might wilt. Dead fish might wash ashore in lakes or rivers, or a nearby forest might lose the leaves from its trees. When they're jubilant, there's sunlight follows it everywhere, small animals frolic in its footsteps, etc., etc. Ooh, a few Empyreans have turned to evil after venturing to the lower plains and becoming corrupted or as the result of being cursed by evil gods. They can't survive long on the upper plains and usually retreat to the material plane, which is the everyday world, I believe. Yep. Where it can rule over a kingdom of mortals as an indomitable tyrant. Although they don't age, they can be slain. Because few Empyreans can imagine their own demise, they fight fearlessly when drawn into battle, refusing to believe that the end is upon them, even when standing at death's door. When they die, their spirit returns to its home plane. There, one of the fallen Empyrean's parents resurrects the Empyrean unless he or she has a good reason not to. Hmm. They're 75% chaotic good, 25% neutral evil. Hmm. Okay. Well, wow, their challenge of 23. So they're, they're like end level. Yeah. So much so that they, they have legendary actions. Oh, wow. Jeez. Which they introduced in 5E, which it's basically just extra actions. They can take three legendary actions, choosing from the, the options below. Only one can be used at a time, and only at the end of another creature's turn. They regain spent legendary actions at the start of their turn. So they have two moves that cost a single legendary action, and then one that costs two. It's basically a, an earthquake. Okay. It's just extra stuff that they can do out of turn to really, really be nasty, essentially. Yeah, these these guys are, are pretty cool. I've never been much for a Greek pantheon-themed, or even just inspired campaign. But these are pretty neat. These are pretty cool. If you don't want to go directly to, like, gods, essentially. Mm. Yeah. Almost a demigod, basically. I guess so, yeah. The whole parent raising it, resurrecting it, once it dies thing, feels really almost godlike. Oh, yeah. Demigodlike, like you were saying. Even when Hercules died, like, they brought him up to Olympus, you know, because yeah. because he was practically a god. They're immune, damage immunity to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical weapons. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I will say, if you're level 20 and you don't yet have a magical weapon, then go back to the store. Yeah, that's super valid. You you don't deserve to be level 20 at that point. 
Or your, your DM yeah. has not, has basically just given you candy the whole time because you should, you should have been challenged up until that point. Well, if you sentimentally held on to your plus two broadsword. <laughs> right, yeah. From, you know, from level four. But you should have you should have taken the loot the loot that you got, sold it, and got your plus two broadsword enchanted. But also a plus two broadsword at level four is is huge. Well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's why you kept it. I, I fair enough, yeah. You felt like a king. You felt like a, an Empyrean almost. Yeah. These guys are pretty cool. Twenty two twenty two armor, three thirteen hit points. They have a fly speed a regular speed and a swim speed of 50 feet. Which is like a single step for something that's huge, right? I mean, how does how does that how does that track? That's that's not very far. Not if you're huge, no, I don't think. Yeah. I'm sure there is a chart somewhere that tells you how how tall you have to be to be considered huge or gigantic or whatever. Oh yeah. I'm sure there is. Matt, how would you how would you tie this into a campaign? Not necessarily just this single character, but what do you think about the Empyreans as a whole in terms of a campaign? Just as a hook, maybe, or something. I could definitely see it see the Empyrean being played as the as like an end boss, as almost uh like they're marshalling armies for whatever reason. Maybe they're trying to figure out a way to exist on the higher planes for longer than however, you know, a couple days or a couple months or whatever that specific amount of time is. They don't want to be on the material plane anymore and kind of try to ascend to godhood. So you're saying it would be an evil one, obviously, if if it's if it's an enemy. I think so. I think you would you would be that neutral evil one and he's got, you know, grand plans for something. Yeah. Maybe there are some good ones that can assist the party, but I I like the idea of it being bad. I see it being the group of good Empyreans have like hired have have reached out to your party to help them stop the evil Empyrean who's taking over the material plane or or something along those lines. They're the the puppet masters. They're the they're the next step up in management, essentially. Sure. Because for whatever reason, they can't be down there to do it, for whatever unknown Empyrean reason or something like that. They've got to get their hair done and bake a souffle. Almost like maybe they're kind of the watchers, and they can't interfere. It kind of feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why this one's bad is because he went rogue and he is, that's all he's doing is interfering. Because he realized that he, it, it was, it was, was it candy for the taking? Is that the phrase? It was, it can sure. be the phrase. Stealing can candy from a baby? No, something, something for the taking. Ripe for the ripe taking. For the plucking. Ripe, the candy is ripe. That's what, I think that's what I was going the for. The candy is ripe. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, Sweet tarts. End of, end of discussion. Brando. Yep. How would you play an Empyrean? If you were in a party of Empyreans, what do you think you would you would play as? If you could play as an Empyrean as any class, would you just go straight up like fighter or something? But they also have they have a ranged spell attack. 
They have innate spell casting. At will, they can cast Greater Restoration, Pass Without Trace, Water Breathing, and Water Walk. And then once a day each, they can cast Commune, Dispel Evil and Good, Earthquake, Firestorm, and Plane Shift on themselves only. Mm -hmm. And three times a day, if they fail a saving throw, they can shoot. They can. Uh, they can just say, "No, I succeed. I succeed on that saving throw." Three times a day. Oh my God, <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> I see your fail, and I say, "No for you." I raise you a ten on that die. Thank you. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think? Would you go? I mean. It's obviously tempting to just be like, oh, yeah, of course I'll be I'll be a fighter. Of course I'll be like a grapple fighter or something. Uh, but they do have that, a, a little of the magic going on there that it's, I don't see it as being so unexpected to be. Although if you were going to be, if you were going to do magic, I would say like a Sork because they have a higher charisma. Their Int and Wisdom are 21 and 22 respectively, so you're you're already hurting as a wizard, I think. Wizards and, and Warl... Is Warlock charisma too? I think it is. And Bard is charisma? Wow, that's a lot of spellcasters yeah. on charisma. Oh, I guess Druid would be like Wisdom. Wizard would be Int, I think. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to be a rogue because your dex is 21, but your strength and con are 30. So that's obviously built for for like a fighter. But then again, charisma. You would be an Empyrean bard, right? Sure. No, I don't I don't know. I mean looking at what I can see here there's a section called shares. I don't I don't remember if you actually have read this off or not. The melee, I mean I'm sorry, the ranged with a spell is actually more is pretty cool. It's and it seems better than the the melee. The ranged attack is lightning. Oh yeah. Plus fifteen to the touch, range of hundred and eighty meters. A target touched. Seventy six damage of the following types. And then you can wait, is this five E? That's what I looked up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, no, I see it now, but it's not just lightning. It's not did you say it was it was lightning? These are what they're called. The melee one is called mallet and the ranged one is called lightning. Oh no. See in the book it's called Maul and Bolt. Oh okay, so here's the thing. I Googled this and the only uh oh, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> did you just Google the word this? Yes, yes I did. Anyway, I searched it and um the only page that came up with a full description was in French and I did the translate option so some of these things may be a little wonky that's it so that that explains it 100% actually. I do believe that the numbers are still oh yeah the numbers translated yeah yeah so yeah go go ahead and read that that ranged spell attack it's not a touch I don't know why what translated yeah, from into touch uh, yeah maybe to hit probably oh, to could hit. be Plus 15 to hit range, 180 hit, meters. Yeah. Which translates to 600 feet. 600 feet. That's a lot. 
So 76 damage of one of the following types. What do they translate to from the French, Brandon? Let's see if this, let's see how it works. <laughs> it says of the following types, choice of Empyrean acid, yeah. cold, okay. fire, uh-huh. force, yep. lightning, yeah. radiant, uh-huh. or thunder. Oh, uh, they were all yeah, okay. Boo. I was hoping for some like funny French. Tra- now translate it oh, into there's, German, and then there's another one. Oh, okay. It's baguette. Oh. Oh, see, that's not in... Baguette that's not bludgeon. Under, no, that's the first one. That's your melee weapon, is baguette. It's, <laughs> it's not hammer and maul, it's baguette. No, it's, it's... Yes. So, yeah, that... And there's no... Limit to that. You can you can shoot that every... Yeah. Every time. And one of the legendary actions is just an attack. So you can shoot that twice around, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other legendary actions are bolster. The Empyrean bolsters all non-hostile creatures within 120 feet until the end of its next turn. Bolstered creatures cannot be charmed or frightened. They gain advantage on ability checks and saving throws until the end of the Empyrean's next turn. It's just a really nice pally aura, basically. The uh, the French call that support. Do, do they really? Lay support. That's less that's what this that's what this translated to on this one. So what's the third one called? Shake. It's trembling strike. <laughs> it's like they gave oh, up wow. they gave up on <laughs> they just shake. got lazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were three quarters of the way through the baguette and the carbs just got to them and they said nah, The Imperial I am finished now. The Imperian strikes the ground with its baguette, triggering a shake. Did you just oh. say the French gave up? <laughs> Oh. oh, too soon? No, it's not too soon. No, not too soon. All other creatures on the ground, so not just hostile creatures, but all other creatures on the ground, must succeed on a DC 25 strength saving throw or be knocked prone. So that can happen. That can happen once around, if you're willing to pay your two of two of your three legendary points for that. Yeah. Which is a pain. That's a super pain. Uh, uh, for your melee guys, really. I guess your wizard, your 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 casters could be shooting. Shooting from the ground. I don't think there's a rule that you can't, unless there's a a somatic component to it, and your 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 DM makes you work with your components and things. In which case, if your somatics are jumping around or playing an instrument, maybe. It could mm. it could affect it for sure if you were a bard. Just a quick diversion, uh, just to give an idea of huge size. Oh yeah, please. Is space of fifteen by fifteen feet. Okay, so it's basically the next size up from the blood bramble yeah. from last week, because that was a ten by mm. ten. But that's it was large. But that's yeah. width. So does it give us a height? Please, not in meters, if you can help it. No, no, these are feet. This is English. Well, it's, it says size categories shows how much space a creature of a particular size controls in combat. Oh, interesting. So, in squares? So, it's three by three, yeah. Yeah, so 15 by 15 is huge. Gargantuan is 20 by 20 or larger, and examples of that are Kraken or purple worm tarask i think is gargantuan um some of the 
bigger, older dragons, I believe. Do they get gargantuan, Matt? Do you know? I would not be surprised if they did, especially the older ones. The super older ones, but yeah. it's pretty rare that you end up seeing one of those. Exactly. Unless you're you're expecting it to be like a CR 23 or so, that like what we're seeing right now. That's it. That would be like your, okay, you guys are at the end of the road here. Let's throw something huge at you. Let's, let's go super epic, yeah. Yeah, so I guess height is not really a factor. It could just be really wide, I suppose. Yeah. But it looks basically humanoid. So if a 5x5 five five square is, we'll say, a really healthy size is 6 feet, multiply that by 3, so only 18 feet? Does that make sense? That can't be right. Um... Maybe it could. Yeah, it could. It definitely 18's could. 18's pretty big. That's that's a that's a is hefty building, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean our house is probably it's two stories, so that's that's like eighteen feet, right? Isn't a story at roughly ten feet? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Generally, yes. So that's yeah, no, I guess I could see that. It just it doesn't feel as epic when you think about it on that scale. It feels more, it feels like you, you, you would be looking up for days almost, like their head would be in the clouds, but I guess, I guess it doesn't have to be. No, not necessarily. They are pretty cool though. I mean, I, I think I would, if anything, I think I would take it and reskin it. I don't think I would go for the, the Greek thing. I don't know how I would do it. I reckon it would ultimately just depend on, on the flavor of the campaign itself. I think it's cool enough and it's epic enough to not pass over the abilities that it has, essentially. Yeah. You know, just give it a different flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, what do you think about this for uh, for role, for role for autism? I think it could make for uh, an interesting NPC. It definitely. How much can. do NPCs factor into it? They do. Do you use them to impart information or is it more just because it's more it's more meta, I suppose, by by virtue of of having to to direct and teach. Mm -hmm. How much do you allow the NPCs to do that versus versus just you, you know, you walking them through it? In certain instances. And again, with the caveat that, of course, it's going to be different for every group of players that you have. Absolutely. The way that I utilize NPCs, at least in the few adventures that I've written so far for the kids, they're the ones that give out the quest. Okay. So you'll see them in the beginning, you'll see them in the end, and once you're in the tower, in the dungeon, in the so on and so forth, you don't really see that because, honestly, the the sessions are, are set up to only last about 30 minutes. And it sure. doesn't really give you a lot of time to get deep with an NPC and take anything else away from, from the players in that time. Right. They're vehicles to drive the story for the most part. Sure. Like you said, this this would be a perfect one to do. So he's the he's the guy that they meet in the beginning. He says, hey, I have a problem here. Here are a couple of handy items that you can use and go solve this Exactly. This quest for me. Yep, go get this for me. Or They come back with the bag out of truth. Yes. And he rewards them, or, or he says, good job. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So you 
particularly in in role for autism, you would use him just for flavor. I think so, especially given if I was to reskin him, he would be way too powerful for him to be anything more than flavor. So, no, I think he'd be an awesome NPC and definitely something to give the the players just this sense of the enormity of the situation, of the gravity. Okay, but you could also you could also dumb him down. Sure, cuz he could make a really cool bad guy. You know, he could make a really cool end boss. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean we I can kind of respec him a little bit and and move things around in that regard as well, yeah. for sure. But I mean, usually with roll for autism, the players go from level 1 through 4, I believe, in the course of an adventure, so it would be a, quite the respec. Which is how many sessions? It is eight sessions. Eight half-hour sessions. Okay, so a level an hour, yep. one every two sessions. Yeah, basically. But yeah, I mean, you would certainly... You would take him down... You, I mean, you all of the numbers would drop, essentially. But you would also pull back on some of the abilities. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And even within combat, if it wound up being that he was the, the main villain or whatever... Mm-hmm it would be a matter of judiciously applying whatever abilities there were as well. Do you think you would do away with legendary actions altogether? Or could that be a nice a nice kind of wrench in the spokes for them to see, oh, wow, this guy is using actions in between our turns too. It's not just we wait for him to go. No, I think that would be something really cool to add to it just to show them how how much more imposing this guy is like not only can he go on his turn but he can go on yours so yeah watch out you know yeah and a lot like with the fire attacks with the solomith two episodes ago it's something that they were are hopefully going to recognize and learn from or or if nothing else it's a teaching moment for you to be like hey look at this exactly this is an important detail kind of thing Yep, and that's the thing, is that we, you can use that to help them pay attention to specific details that they may have missed at first, or hopefully they can just pick up on things, maybe with a little nudge here and there. Sure. Create a strategy out of it as well. Okay, yeah. I think the the level of the level of grandeur and epicness is certainly makes for a, a cool powerful npc but also like we said with the the dumbing the simplifying a little bit yeah and you are obviously ever cognizant as the dm in a role for autism session it's a good challenge it's a really good challenge to throw at them without just being bloodthirsty without being just ent- entirely vicious absolutely yeah i mean yeah. that's that's why all your rolls are hidden. Yeah, right. When you're you're rolling against the the players, you don't want to come out there and just wipe them out. Obviously, nobody's nobody's going to have fun, and nobody's going to get as much out of it as they would if you go out there and they're going to have a good time. But you're going to make them earn it as well. Yeah, D and D in general, but more so for roll for autism. Absolutely, I, I think it's it's more applicable. Brando. Mm-hmm. The Empyrean. Yes. 
between five and 15, how many Schwarzeneggers would you give this? I give it 14. 14! Get to the Cloud Castle! 14 Empyreans, why? I mean, 14, 14. Why am I colored gray? <laughs> Who is your deity and what does he do? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Go, Hagen. You got what it's... you want. Now get the people to air. I'm done. <laughs> Sorry, 14, 14 swords. <laughs> 14 Schwarzeneggers, go. It's... Okay, so now now give the people their error. It's one word. It's... I have to give myself some error. N-A-W hyphen G-I apostrophe D-E apostrophe P-E-P-E apostrophe D-E-R apostrophe A-R-E Now get the people to air. Did you, did you just come up with this or did you search this? It's online? an Andy Sklar thing that it, it's it's like it's a trap. Like in the actual movies, it's Admiral Akbar goes, "It's a trap." It's just like boring and just bland, but it, it eventually snowballs and becomes, "It's a trap." And it's the same thing with now, Cohagen, you got what you want. No good to people to air. From Total Recall. Yes. That's it for this week of Random Encounters, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Come on back next week for a brand new random monster and a brand new discussion on that random monster. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and check out our list of monster manuals on the Feckless Mom site and reach out to us and let us know what monster you want me to discuss with these two chuckleheads. In the meantime, I am Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Brandon. They are Chuckleheads, and this is Random Encounters. Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Moans Audio Network.